You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at watchonpremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. This is the MLW Radio Network. This is the Mind of the Meanie. Here are your hosts, the Blue Meanie and Adam Barnard. Peace world and welcome everybody to the Mind of the Meanie, your weekly peek into the world according to former WWE superstar and ECW original, the Blue Meanie. We'll cover wrestling, music, movies, sports, and lots and lots of useless knowledge all contained in the Mind of the Meanie. I'm your tour guide, Adam Barnard, and he is the Blue Meanie. Meanie, what's on your mind? I am uh, impatiently waiting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised, man. Uh, we're recording this. Uh, we're doing like a double header today. <laughs> double header. Yeah. For this week, next week, because I am going to London. Forget uh, London town. Yes. The trip was uh, booked in hopes of going to the Taylor Hawkins tribute concert, which I had tickets for. But, uh, yeah, uh, Ticketmaster canceled my tickets and several others, according to uh, Twitter and all you know, all social media. I see people losing their minds just like me, people who book travel and all this shit. So, um, been back and forth. Um, uh, what was it? Wednesday night into... No, Thursday night into Friday morning, they tried another attempt. Right. At 4, 4 a.m., mind you, uh, you know, because they know I'm in America. And, hey, why not? You know, it's still 4 a.m. Uh, of course, my card company was like, oh, this is suspicious. And I wasn't awake to go, no, this is cool. Please let it through. Right, right. So, got an email saying, you know, whatever. Uh, we we made an attempt. Uh, if you would like us to redo it, reply in twenty four. Yeah, yeah. I want you to try again. Please, please do it now. Do it. Yeah, please. Um, I even called my uh, card company. I was like, "Look, uh, there. I'm trying to buy these tickets. You keep flagging it, and you do something about it." And uh, they put me on with a specialist, and. Uh, the specialist the said, specialist. Uh, hello, Brian. It's the Ticketmaster specialist. Please yeah. hold while we service your account. Sorry, <laughs> that's just what made me feel like. No, no, no. He was <laughs> like, uh, uh, I put a thing on your account. Your account should be good. And uh, since I had replied within 24 hours to Ticketmaster to say, please, please charge my card. I'm begging to give you money. Yeah. Shut up and take my money. I know you probably already sold out all 90,000 seats or whatever you got there, but please take my money. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I stayed up till 4 a.m. this morning thinking they were going to do the same thing. You know, I figure businesses are creatures of habit. So they're going to try to, because when I initially bought the tickets, it was like a little bit after 4 a.m. And but when I bought them back in June, the tickets, they probably shouldn't have canceled. Uh, it was like 4 a.m., 5 a.m. So I was like, all right. And then, you know, they tried the day before 4 a.m. I was like, looks like I'm staying to the fucking 4 a.m., huh? Jesus. Huh? 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 So I uh, stayed up till 4 a.m. Um, me and Miss Meanie stayed up most of the night. We watched the uh, Pam and Tommy show, that uh, about show about Pam Anderson, Tommy Lee, with the whole sex tape thing. It's not crazy, that story. We'll get into it. The, the the show's amazing. Yeah. Whoever they, whoever was casting, should get a bonus. <laughs> that show because I'm like Jesus Christ. I mean, when you get a little bit closer to Tommy, you're like, oh, okay, this is a guy. 
but whoever hired, you know, whoever casted Pam, she's looks and sounds just like her. I'm like, holy shit. Wow. So, you know, Mrs. Meany started tapping around like 3.30. She's like, I got to close my eyes. I was like, all right. You know, uh, I'll turn out the light. And we usually have the same shows we put on to go to sleep to, because we know them so well. We don't need to pay attention. It's just background noise. You know, because I need sound to go to sleep. I can't, if it's dead silent, I cannot sleep. That makes sense. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm, I'm going to hear the boogeyman underneath my bed or something. And not the uh, the fun one. Right. WWE. But, um, yeah, she tapped out around 3.30. I was like, you know what? I'll lay on my side, you know, kind of pretend to sleep and uh, keep an eye on my phone. So, like, every couple minutes, I'm, like, looking at, looking at, you know, to see if I get a confirmation email. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And then uh, I, I think I must have passed out at like quarter or 5 a.m. this morning, which, little inside baseball, uh, we had to rec- start recording at 10 a.m. this morning. Oh, man. Uh, I just fired off another email saying, hello, good folks of uh, Ticketmaster. Uh, I was wondering if you plan on charging my card today. <laughs> I, I well, there's a a holiday in in London this weekend, or England, or whatever. Oh, man. Uh, it's, it's called a banking holiday. Which don't ask me what that don't ask me what that means. Interesting, but uh, I was reminded of that because there's a, a chain of restaurants over in England called Pashunk Avenue. Really, which is based off of. It's, if, if you're not familiar with Philadelphia, Patchunk Avenue is like a, a street in South Philly. Right. And uh, there's a, a stretch of Patchunk Avenue, which has really good restaurants and cool little shops. I got, I like to go to Patchunk Avenue, go to a place called Punk Burger, which is pretty good, which is P apostrophe U-N-K because it's Patchunk Punk Burger. Nice. Really good fucking burgers. Maybe I'll go there today. Who knows? Oh, no, no. Mrs. Meany made food. She there made some go. really good Yeah. In the crock pot. And, uh, you know, leftovers are always better today, better today after because everything's settled. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And all the, all the yeah. flavors and juices and shit yeah. are all in there. Yeah. Courtney will do that from some, from time to time. She'll make some, uh, some chicken in the, the crock pot and let it like really marinate. Oh, shit, man. That stuff's so good. That's what Mrs. Meany did. And in, in the words of, uh, Bruno Sammartino, they gel very well. <laughs> It gel very well as a tag team, Vince. Uh, so <laughs> uh, I'm going to have some very well gelled uh, chicken in a crock pot. Chicken with uh, vegetables, onions. Uh, I want to say cream of mushroom soup. And uh, it's like a plate. Dude, my, uh, one of my favorite dishes, like for like Christmas, Thanksgiving, my aunt, my aunt Ray makes this uh, string bean casserole which is fucking phenomenal. And she puts like the French fried onions on the top and it tastes good. And it's fine. So, you know, Mrs. Meany knows I love that dish. So, uh, my buddy who lives near a farm gifted me some, uh, chicken, right? I mean, like, like freshly made wink chicken, <laughs> uh, freshly killed <laughs> chicken. <laughs> uh, and he drove it down from wherever he lives. And he's like, hey, man, I got this cooler chicken. You want it? I was like, oh, fucking ask me twice. Yeah. Yeah. Twist my yeah. arm. Twist my arm. And uh, so, yeah. So today uh, in hopes, I know I took a little side road there. Hey, man, this is but, the mind of the meaning. That's what we do here. Yeah. But um, motherfucker, I want. I just want peace. Of my, I, I said, I was like, uh, do you plan on charging my car today? Or do I have to wait for Monday? I understand there's a holiday, so maybe wait till Monday. So um, I just want to go to England. I leave for England Thursday. I just want some peace of mind. Yeah. Because I don't know how my fucking... I, I'm sure... I, I checked with my phone company, and they said, if you're 5G, you're good over there. So I'm like, cool. Yep. But I don't want to fucking be on that plane fucking stressing the fuck out. I don't want to be walking around London where I'm supposed to be having a good time. 
going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You know? Yeah. Do I still go down to, because I'm supposed to, you know, I ain't going to get that, but I don't want to, uh, you know, stress around going, what if, what if, what if, you know, I just want my tickets. So, well, right. Yeah. I guess you're at this point, if you don't hear from them, I guess it's just make a contingency plan because you, you won't be able to get the refund on the plane. You know, they'll make you save it for something else. Right. Oh well, yeah. I mean, well, we're going, right. I don't give a fuck. We're going. I've, I've, I've freed up that, those, you know, th- those days to make sure, you know, that you can go. I'm go- Going to fucking England. Yeah. Going to London. And, and you know what? I mean, I, there's could be worse places to uh, have your plans canceled. You know? It's true. Just, you could be in like uh, Oklahoma or something in the middle of nowhere, you know? Dude, we kind of want to go to Oklahoma because there's a, uh, I love Mrs. Meany. She wants, there's a cowboy museum out there. That oh, she really? Wants to go. Yeah. Yeah, so we're kind of eyeballing a trip to Oklahoma just to go to the ca- the Cowboy Museum. Hey, listen, I'm not shi- I'm not shitting on Oklahoma. I'm not shitting on Oklahoma. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, there's a it just is a it's, a it's a very open place from what I understand. The only time the only time it's proper to shit on Oklahoma is uh, the Ed Ferrara version of Oklahoma. Yes, which, yeah, that's the only time you can really. And look, I like I love Ed Ferrara. That shit was but, fucked up, though, man. That shit was indefensible. Yeah, that was, indefensible. That, that was the polar opposite of cool. Yeah. Uh, no, and Ed's a talented guy. I love Ed. I love him and Vince Russo. They they brought me into WWE, and uh, they're great. They're creative. But that was the one thing where you know you got to look in the mirror and go, yeah, maybe I shouldn't do that. Yeah. But um. Yeah, well, yeah. Mrs. I love Mrs. Meany's brain because she's so, like so creative. She's into like all these other. She'll bring up things that are just like right out of left field, and I'm, I just look at her. I just pop. I'm like, that's fucking brilliant. Yeah, but uh, yeah, she's into juggling. She likes. She wants to go to a cowboy museum, which I don't know if the two. Well, I'm sure cowboys can juggle, or I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's where we're at now. It's. Uh, like I said, yeah, there could be worse places to be stranded. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if they don't put my tickets through, I'll have a couple extra hundred bucks. But, you know, because, um, you know, we've been saving for years, you know. Yeah. You know, through the, the, the shutdown and everything. Like, before the shutdown, we would pick one away Eagles uh, game, like on a road. You know, we went to... Eagles Rams, that game where fucking Carson blew out his fucking knee the year oh, we wow. won the Super Bowl. And then the, the following year, we went to London at Wembley to watch, and we were fucking sick as dogs. And then, you know, we went to Buffalo uh, for the Bills game, which we wound up going up a couple days earlier and celebrate, Hall- ha- celebrate Halloween in Canada, which was kind of cool. That's my buddy cool. Chris. My buddy Chris did well in his his family. So, and then like right after that, the fucking shutdown happened. And then like, well, fuck once, you know, this, you know, things seem semi-normal. We'll, you know, plan a trip and we just save, 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 save. I picked up all the pennies on the ground. I could find, you know, (laughs) dude, I, uh, only the heads up ones, only the heads up ones. Uh, it's 2020. I, I, or, no, it's 2022. 2022. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, we lost like a fucking two years. We really did, man. Like, let's be honest about it. We really lost like like a good two years now at this point. It's just like the, a fucking blur. Like, what the fuck happened here? Yeah, we, we, dude, it was uh, the other day was the, the anniversary of my grandma passing. Oh, I saw that, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. But I was thinking, you know, fuck, how old, how old would she be? And I thought we were still in 2020, and my math was coming up fucked up. I went, "No, holy shit, it's 2022." Jesus, no, it's just like it's like uh, somebody went to Photoshop and clipped off one part, clipped off the second part, and fucking yeah, you know, it's like you know, forever, you know, like for the longest time, uh, you know, two thousand two thousand 
2010 to 2020 didn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would keep thinking, oh, yes, yeah, you know, a couple years ago in 2005. No, a couple years ago it was 2015. There's like a whole decade in the 2000s. I'm like, that I don't acknowledge my brain. Right. Won't allow me yeah, dude. Like, like I've been feeling like that recently too. Like time's a fucking illusion. Right. Like I, like, so on the, tw- right. on the 25th, which was two days ago. Well, I, you know, spoiler alert, we're recording this on Saturday, but two days ago yeah. on the 25th, I've been married for 10 years and Ooh. I'm sitting there and I'm going, fuck, has it really been a decade already? Like, has it really been that long? Like I can't, I'm having a hard time like extrapolating that, you know? And, um, I was at Wawa last night because, like I said, I, I just came back from Atlanta for a, a, a trip for my shoot job. And uh, I go to the Wawa, and uh, there was this fucking, uh, what the hell was the name of that song that was on last night? It was great. It's a great Motown hit. I can't, I'll think of it in a minute. Um, but she was like, oh, man, this reminds me of uh, uh, Sister Act 2. And I was like, <laughs> oh, man, that's a great fucking movie. And I'm thinking, like, oh, how long ago was that? That was like, you know, maybe like 15, 20 years ago. I'm like, nope, that was 1993. That was 29 years ago. Holy shit. What the fuck? Yeah. This is not okay. This is not okay. And uh, it's funny. uh 1993. That's that's the year I was fucking born. I'm not not I was born in 73. I graduated high school in 93, which yes, I graduated at the age of 20 because because of my asthma, I was held back twice because I wasn't in school a lot. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I was in the hospital a lot. I was like the boy in a bubble. Oh jeez. <laughs> They said, uh, due to absenteeism, but, uh, yeah, 93, I'm like, so anytime I hear like somebody born in 93, I went, oh, so you're what, 10? What? Oh no, you're, yeah. You know, I, I quickly do, I do quick math. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I'm dumb, but yeah, there's like a period, like decades that to me that just didn't happen. Yo, Shackleford you know? just said something in the chat that really fucked me up right now. And I'm not sure I'm going to be able to handle this blue meanie. He just said a name that is reviled here in Philadelphia, in the lore yeah. of Philadelphia sports history. And that man's name is Joe fucking Carter. Yeah. Who hit the home run off of Mitch Wild Thing Williams in the 1993 World Series that ended and dashed the dreams of all of us Philadelphia fans here. Banished. A plague on both your houses. I uh, almost punched a man in the face when that happened. Uh, really? Almost, mur- almost murdered a man. Um, <clears throat> well, before I get to that story. Um, <laughs> it was game six, by the way. Game six. Yeah, yeah they sh- should have kept Roger Mason in the fucking game. He, he was fucking striking motherfuckers out. That's what it was. It wasn't shilling, was it? Well, Mitch Williams gave up the home run. But- well, that's what I'm saying. Who was in? The, who was in the on the pitcher's mound before they put Williams in? Oh, now I got to check it. I'm looking at it, it right now. I thought it was Roger Mason, which I'm probably fucking up because I've, I was up until 5 a.m. It was Terry Mulholland who was pitching for us, wasn't it? No, that was the start. That was the starting Starter. pitcher. Oh, right, 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 right. Here we go. Roberto Alomar, uh, Dykstra, Mariano Duncan, singled off rev- uh, reliever Tony Cox, Dave Holland, Incavilia. Who pitched? It was the guy him? right before, right before. Mitch Williams. So yeah. They pulled him for Mitch, and we're like, "No, what yeah, do like, you do? Why would you do something like that?" But yeah, that guy was striking him out, and we had the fucking lead. Yeah, I hate when people say we, but I mean, they represent Philadelphia. I'm a Philadelphian, so fuck it. Well, here it is. Yeah, I mean, it's like they had. So we were up. We was let's see. So it was six to three, four, five, six to five, in the seventh. Eighth was a shutout inning, and then bottom of the ninth, Mitch Williams lets off three fucking, three fucking runs. Unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable. But uh, Larry Anderson, think, Larry Anderson, that's his name. It wasn't Larry Anderson before. What? No, there was another guy. Um, here I'm reading it right know. now. Yeah, it says uh, d- d- l- let's see. Okay, so it's so it was Terry Mulholland. And then in the seventh inning, let's see here, Ed Sprague Jr. Let me ask Google. Who was the pitcher before Mitch Williams in the 93 World Series? Where? Yeah, how come I can't find that? doesn't say. That's weird. 
Let's see. Can anybody help us here in the pod squad? Yeah, Shackleford. Uh, fucking wild thing was overrated. No, he said overworked. Overworked. Well, he was overrated too. But yeah, he was definitely overworked. He had a noodle arm. Yeah. Know. Too much. That's I've what heard. I mean. Too much of that wild shit. Nah. Like, come on, man. But anyway, I've hey, yeah, to, back on point. Yeah, now we've stalled enough here. Uh, talk about uh, Gary Carter. Uh, speaking of being up in Canada, I have uh, you know you know friends up there, and one of them said he had to do something which required working with <clears throat> Joe Carter, not Gary Carter. What the fuck am I talking about? I was Sorry, I thought that's hours. what you said, but I wasn't going to correct you. I didn't want to jump in. Yeah, Joe Carter. Eh, fuck him. He doesn't. Yeah. yeah. He said Joe Carter was the biggest douchebag he's ever been around. I believe it. I was like, well, I, uh, it's, it's not like I hated this man for all these years, and thank thank God he wasn't a good guy, you know? Right, right. You don't want to hate a guy who's, you know, done great things, but, like, if, if he's a douchebag, that makes it even easier to fucking hate him. Fuck yeah. him. But, um, dude, I was working in the casinos at the time. 93, I graduated high school. And uh, I was working at the casino. I was working at fucking Grave Shift. And, uh, dude, that year the Phillies won the they, – the Phillies went from, you know, for those who don't follow baseball or U.S. sports, the year before the Phillies were the absolutely last place fucking team in all of baseball. And they were picked last again for 93. But for whatever reason – Somebody sprinkled fucking pixie dust over them, and they were just winning, 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 winning. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the fucking Atlanta Braves were this monster fucking team in, you know, the National League. And um, what you call it? Uh, the Braves were this monster team. The Atlanta Braves were a monster team. And the fact that, you know, you know the you know, everybody didn't think expect the Phillies to get past the Atlanta Braves. So when the Philadelphia Phillies, who were last place the year before, beat this fucking monster team of the Atlanta Braves, that was almost like winning the World Series right there. But, you know, hey, there was another another step. But I was working at casinos, and um, there's this some fucking jerk-off I was working with. I was working security, and uh, this guy was like a typical 80s movie fucking putz. Just like, hey, <laughs> like... Let's go Braves. I was like, what? I was like, looking at him. I was like, are you, are you ribbing me? You know, are you ribbing me? Is this a fucking, no, I always root against the Philadelphia Phillies. I was like, oh, great. And I got to work with this guy. Right. He's going to need security from me. You know, just fucking, what the fuck? So like, you know, the, the Philly, well, before I figured, realized he roots against the Phillies, he, I thought he was just a Braves fan. They beat the Braves. I was like, all right, this motherfucker just shut the fuck up. And uh, after he went to he goes, let's go, Toronto. I was like, you piece of shit. Uh, you fucking rotten, dopey, putty-headed fucking moron, you. Putty-headed. You just look like fucking putty-headed fucking. This head just looked like, you know, you could put it down on a newspaper and pick up Marmaduke off it. Just like, oh, this uh and it was just like working with him night after night. And then, you know, we're waiting in the fucking uh, staff kitchen or wherever we get, you know, our, our catering. <laughs> and that's, that's why the uh, employee kitchen, uh, whatever. And, you know, we're watching and the fucking home run hits. And he goes, woohoo. And I turned around and I was about to fucking lunge at him. I was like, you know what? Mm-mm. I ain't going to be here much longer. I'm saving to go to wrestling school. I am, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need an arrest on my fucking now, nah, man. No. Um, and I just fucking bit my tongue. So, um, I move away. I go to train with Al and I'm living away and I, uh, come back. I was like, yeah, you know what? Let me go up to the casino. Let me just walk, walk around, see what's going on. And, uh, I run into some of the guys I used to work with on the, the, the graveyard shift. And, uh, the guy comes to me and he's like, I don't even remember what the guy's name was, but one of the other security guards goes, dude, you missed it. He mal- he said something to somebody else and somebody just pummeled him in the fucking, 
employee fucking cafeteria. I was like, what? He's like, yeah. When the guy was done with him, they had to wrap him up. He looked like the fucking mummy. The, the guy, <laughs> the, the, the guy had a, a, a way of just saying things to disrupt people the wrong way. You know, uh, when I drive down the Garden State Parkway, I never pay the tolls. Oh my god! It's just like I just go through them. <laughs> like, You're a piece of shit. Jesus Christ, dude. So I left, and he's he's like, yeah, he said he said the wrong thing to the wrong person, and that person said, excuse me, Get your- and just. <laughs> Played his head like fucking John Bonham playing Moby Dick. Motherfucker. So that was a little, that, that, yeah, that was another lesson. I was like, next time I want somebody gets me mad. I was like, you know what? Some, some, that guy's going to piss off the wrong fucking person. You yeah. know, he's somebody and you, you know, they fucking, they, they're getting you riled up. Just walk away. They'll, they'll get. They'll mess with. They'll say something. The wrong thing to the wrong person. But uh, yeah, I don't know how we got down to this road. But uh, talk about Joe fucking Carter, that prick. Yeah, it looks like uh, in the room it says. I think it was Mason from what I looked up on Google, but I can't remember. Now it was Mason because I was like motherfucker. Why did why? they pull? And wow. you know. It's funny. I was looking at the. Um, I was just pulling up the the ninety three series, and I'm reading about like some of the calls and stuff. Like Vin Scully was on CBS Radio, and then Tom Cheek, who is the guy from Toronto, but then Harry Callis was on. Apparently, it was WOGL AM, which used to be, yeah. which is now the Talk twenty uh, twelve ten. But then I went down like a little rabbit hole here. Uh, WOGL is no longer oldies anymore. Like it's completely different now. It's like uh, they call yeah. it Big ninety eight point one. And I'm really kind of crushed by that, man. Like, I'm really upset by that. I'm uh, crushed on it because uh, WOGL, I'm like, oh, I'll put it on and listen to some Sinatra. Yeah. You know, thinking they're going to play old songs and they're playing fucking Bon Jovi. I was like, look, I'm not that fucking old yet. Right. Put that shit on. Right. Like, the 80s, okay, we get it. The 80s were like 40 years ago now, but like, this isn't, this isn't right. Like, I remember... As a kid, we'd listen to, I think it was Sinatra Sunday was on, was that on OGL or was that, that was another channel maybe. And, um, but we put Sunday, there was Sunday with Sinatra and breakfast with the Beatles. That's it. That's what it was. And then Sid Mark was the guy who did Sunday with Sinatra. And, uh, they used to do Bob Pantano's dance party. It was like Friday or Saturday nights. And they apparently like the people who run the station didn't tell anybody, I guess that it was coming that they were switching formats and then they, they got rid of. Like, Bob Pantano's dance party just ended, and I was like, fuck, that was a fucking... I felt like that was a staple in Philadelphia for a long time. Who did, who did Sinatra? Sid Mark. And then it must have been High Lit who did the Beatles or something like that. There's a right. there's called High Lit who did the Beatles, who recently just passed away in Philly, and they just did a really... Actually, WMMR here in Philly, Pierre Robert, did a really cool tribute, you know, because they... Uh, yeah, station changed formats and he was done. And I think they had him come into MMR to do something. Who was this now? Highlight. Oh, he right. Do, did breakfast with the Beatles and stuff like that. And he interviewed the Beatles, all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, that's that, that was like, you know, that's that was great. You know, uh, appointment radio listening. Just Sunday morning, wake up with your coffee, put on, you know, breakfast with the Beatles or. Sunday with Sinatra and just chill out and listen to Summer Wind, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Sid Mark died too. Holy shit. He died this year in April. Really? Yeah. Oh, maybe that's who I'm thinking of. Wow. All right. Yeah, Sid he, Mark passed away. My bad. Now he lived in Bryn Mawr. Uh, yeah, he did um, 1210 WPHT and it was syndicated on Westwood One. Sundays with Sinatra, 11 to yeah. 1. Yeah. Every morning. Never fucking missed yeah. it, man. So, yeah, my apologies. He was the one who passed away recently. He was the one that was, you know, uh, Pierre Robert did a really touching tribute to here in Philadelphia. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I was just thinking. That's what we were talking about, like, you know, your grandmother. And I was thinking about my grandfather the other day. His name was Bob. Oh. He was born in 1925. And I'm sitting here and I'm going, like, fuck, he'd be 98 years old this year if he was still alive. My grandma was 97. It's crazy. Yeah. I thought Bob was going to live forever, man. Bob was an old military guy. He'd be up at 3.30 every morning. You know, he fought <laughs> fought in World War II, killed fucking Nazis with his bare hands, apparently. Um, 
Never talked about it, but like, you know, liberated Dachau too. What's up, little Jimmy? Little Jimmy from Nebraska is here, by the way. What up, Jimmy? Uh, don't forget, pa- patreon.com slash mind of the meaning. Join us as we're recording this and you can watch us fumble around and fix our hair. Um, so he fought Nazis in Germany and then he went to Korea and then he came back and worked for Boeing for like 100 years. But he was up every morning at 3.30. He would do his exercises and shit. You know, very regimented guy. His calisthenics. His, literally his calisthenics every morning. And I just always was like, fuck, this guy's going to live to be like 108, you know? And he died in, in uh, 2015. He was 89. He missed his 90th birthday. But I was like, fuck, but, man. Uh, crazy. But jumping jacks are bullshit. We can agree on that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Jumping jacks are horrific bullshit. And my trainers got me only doing them a handful of time. But I hate them. I hate everything about jumping jacks. And burpees might as well be called farties mm-hmm. because I, I might fucking try to do one. I fucking fart and just go, you know, I think I had enough of that. <laughs> Speaking of having enough of that, I'm, uh, I'm going to get ready to challenge uh, Josh Chernoff here to a match for the million dollar championship. So that way, oh, Josh boy. and I, Josh and I can break the Internet. We're going to do a blue mini on a pole match. So uh, the winner not only gets the million dollar title, but also custody of, <sighs> of Meanie. The, the loser's going to be that fucking pole. <laughs> hey, good luck with that. Yeah. We're going to find one. That shit look like a fucking question mark when I'm through with it. <laughs> I didn't want to do Judy Bagwell on the forklift because I didn't want to, you know, but. Uh, God. That don't, uh, yeah, God. I'm not going to go down that road. Jesus I had a Bobby Heenan one-liner. I was like, I ain't touching that one. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you're ready, Josh, we'll throw down, pal. Uh, no, man, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about all this, uh, this time shit here, and I'm looking at like it's just crazy, man. It really is. It's really weird to see all the Philadelphia yeah, I, staples gone. You know, Harry Callis and Sid Mark and OGL. Fucking Harry Callis one hit me fucking hard. Yeah, that one when he pitched sucked. Me. Well, that's the thing, you know. We everybody talks about, uh, you know. Vince retiring, you know, and I, the, the word was, oh, Vince will die in gorilla position. But uh, Harry Callis, who was the play-by-play announcer for the Philadelphia Phillies, but also the voice of NFL films. So, like, he literally died in the announce booth. Yeah. Like, the day, he, you know, the, his final game he called was against the Colorado Rockies. Uh, and, they, you know, the day he died, they were playing his last home run call, which he was famous for. That. That ball is out of here. Out of here. Mickey Morandini. I was just going to say that. Mickey Morandini. I can he- literally hear it. Feel the heat from the July air at the stadium at the vet. Smelling those nasty-ass hot dogs. Dude, you can walk down any street in South Philly in the 80s, 90s, be kept up on how the Phillies were doing because every house had Harry Callis on. That's right. Even in Delco too. Yeah, yeah. You could just like, I'm gonna go down. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm going down to the corner store, right? And you know, you didn't have to, you know, worry about you know missing any part of the game because you could hear the game as you're walking down the street because every house had Harry Callis on. But uh, yeah, and when he passed away, that, that fucking hit me hard. And I guess a lot of national people didn't get how meaningful he was yeah you know, to philadelphia you know they're like hey man i like uh inside the nfl too but come on no asshole he was the fucking voice of my childhood you know uh right. when it comes to announcers my childhood was you know gorilla monsoon bobby heenan you know vince jesse uh gordon soley lance russell uh harry callis merrill reese uh Gene Hart, you know, uh, and I know there's one more I'm probably missing. I'm going to fucking punch myself after we stop recording. But, you know, those people paint pictures for us, you know. Yeah. You know, that's that's the job of an announcer to paint a portrait, especially when you're on radio and you can't be there to watch. You know, it's, it's, it's good to have an announcer who can have you imagine every, every blade of grass that's on the field, you know, yeah. just kind of descriptive so it's a fine, that's why you know, it's a fine art though man like it's it's a it's yeah. a it's an art form in some respects yeah yeah it's just um i'll turn down the national guys and put on the the radio broadcast and sync them up yeah 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 you know, I'll, I'll pause and you know pause 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 till it fucking syncs up and you're like all right 
I'm good. Hopefully the power doesn't go out and I have to redo this shit all over again. But uh, yeah. Yeah, we're set. Well, that's happened to us before. Um, April 13th, yeah. two, 2009. I forgot yeah. he's, been, he's been gone that long. That's fucking crazy, brutal. dude. Yeah, of course. You know, you know, any kind, anytime some kind, some some kind of newsworthy shit happens, we're like, "Well, we're going to McCusker's," and yep. uh, we went to McCusker's that night, and they had a, like a little Harry Callis like plush giveaway toy that they gave us, and we all lit candles around them. The small ones. Yeah, these little tea light. Oh, uh, it was like a little plush toy. Hold on. Put keep it, keep talking. Keep talking. And got a, a bunch of like little uh, tea light candles and, and put them around them to have like a little, um, was it? A you mean this, shrine? John? That, that exact one. Yeah. I still have mine. Yeah. July yeah, 29th, yeah. 2000, the Toyota game. Yeah. It yeah. used to talk. It used to do the voices, but it, it doesn't anymore. I want to, there's a voice box in here, but it, I'm sure the batteries are fucking, I mean, this thing's 22 years old. Yeah, so. he, he was the man. Like anytime I, I play uh, MLB the show, baseball game, and uh, you're allowed to put like your own music in there, but I I edit it. Uh, you can pick a home run song. So, but anytime I hit a home run, I put in the Harry Callis call. So it goes that ball's out here, and then it goes into my home run song, which is fired up by Black Label Society. <laughs> I uh I love this thing. I was so glad I found it. I don't even. It was at my parents' house, and uh, I I me and my brothers each had one, and I I don't know where I put it, but now I I you know I found it. and It's been sitting up on my shelf here. Um, yeah, this was like I don't usually like collect stuff like this, you know, or like hold on to it, but like this thing was so important because it's just imagining being a kid again, you know, like yeah. just thinking about being a kid at the baseball stadium, listening to Harry, and you know those summers when it was so fucking hot there, but. Loved it, man. Loved every second of it. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't trade those for any anything. There dude, that my ninety three team was so fucking magical. Uh yeah. I to the point where they weren't supposed to make it and they were just like this ragtag bunch of guys. I did I actually wrote as an article as I have a buddy over at Sports Illustrated. It's like, hey, I, I told him my theory that uh on uh how I compared the 93 Phillies to ECW. It's true. And, yeah. It's true. You know, the underdogs, you know, the little, you know, ending the could, and uh, they posted it. And, I, you know, I take great pride in that because a lot of that team, you know, I could look at that team and go, yeah, that's the spirit of ECW. They really was. Like, I, they called them Macho Row. I was just reading about them a little bit. And uh, it's, Darren uh, yeah, Darren Dalton and Jim, or uh, John Cruck, Lenny Dykstra. Um, yeah, yeah, it really was. They, they really were like the Blue World Order, or you know, yeah. <laughs> Can somebody Photoshop that for us? Fucking Dalton Cruck and Dykstra as the Blue World Order. That would be fucking hilarious, man. Let's put my head on Cruck's body. There you go. I'm gonna find someone to Photoshop that. That'll be a shirt over at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Mind of the Me. That's something <laughs> we haven't done for a while. We've been trying to tighten it up a little bit with our shirts and stuff because we don't want to overwhelm people. But every once in a while, we'll have a real good idea. And, uh, we had a lot of good shoes up there, but, you know, we don't want to give anybody carpal tunnels fucking scrolling it. Right. You know? <laughs> right. I'm definitely going to do I'm making a note for myself right now to write it down. But, yeah, man, it was just like I'm just flashing back right now as we're talking about everything. And I'm thinking about being at my grandmother's house in Delco, you know, right on 17th Avenue. One of those little, like, townhomes. Windows yeah. open. Fucking nice breeze coming through. Phillies on the TV. Callus on the radio. If it's Sunday, you smell somebody making Sunday uh, sauce. Yep. With the meatballs in it. Yep. Man, that shit was magic. I'm telling you, man, it's magic shit. It just, it, it, it truly, truly is magic. So, That's why I, I mean, any fucking kid, I go, don't grow up. Yeah. It's a fucking, like it, any kid, I'll go, don't, don't grow up. It was funny. I, I was thinking about that. I'm thinking about like guys like Drew McIntyre and Kenny Omega and, you know, Cody. And I'm thinking like, wow, these are all this generation's like, Hogan's and Rocks and Austin's or even like, you know, Andre and Boss Man and all those guys that were like Titans from when we were kids and shit. And I'm thinking about it. I'm like, fuck, in 20 years, they're going to be the legends. And you know what I mean? It's just like, it's just crazy. Like to think about how fast these things really happen. I was just watching the Edge A&E biography 
it's like, where did the fucking time go? You know, he, you know, watching his footage, because me and him kind of broke in around the same time, not in the same area, even though uh, there's one photo of him and Christian Cage from like the Michigan Indies. He's facing off with two guys. One of those guys used to be my tag partner when I first broke in uh, with Al, a guy named Sick Rick Matrix. And, uh, oh, and the other guy was Tex Monroe, which is also a, a student of mine. Their te- Tex was from uh, Detroit. Yeah. And uh, Rick was from Rochester, but he came over to you know, train with Al, and he worked the Michigan Indies. Like, there's a photo of those two squaring off against Edge and Christian. I was like, wow, that's, holy shit. Yeah. But you know, just to think that now he's – yeah. First time I met Edge and Christian, it was uh, me and Novo drove out to Detroit for A.T. Huck, who's a referee. And uh, A.T. was like the referee when I first broke in with Al and all that stuff. And he would book me. Sabu would book him. And eventually he ended up in ECW um, towards the end. But we went out and do, did a show, like like two or three shows. And Edge and Christian were Edge and Christian were on those shows, Edge Christian and uh, Joey Legend, and uh, the the last night uh, of the thing, um, we were out there, and uh, I was like, "I'm going to pick your ring music." And they're like, "All right, let's see what let's see what you got." And uh, they're standing next to the door, and we're all waiting to hear. And like, now coming down the aisle, and <laughs> Nova played. Uh, Girls in Cars, the old strike force theme, <laughs> which uh, Edge and Christian uh, popped, and they, they, I'm sure they could still do it really good, but they do a really good Rick Martel. Oh, that's awesome. So they start doing the Rick Martel like jogging in place. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, Rick Martel, and he's jogging in place, and he does the fist pump. I was just, know? I could literally picture it in my head with the hair and the fucking, you know, just like the whole thing. I could see it. So they, they were, I want to say they were heels, but heel. uh, something happened, and they were going to have me and Nova do a run in to, like, you know, uh, Help whoever. Uh, this is this is like ages ago, and uh, for whatever reason, this show. Well, not for for whatever reason. It was around Christmas, and there was a Santa Claus at the show, and uh, it was like a I got I want to say a local wrestler playing Santa Claus. So Santa, we all fucking turned heel and started beating up Santa Claus. <laughs> Me, Edge, Christian, and Nova just you know jumped Santa Claus. So that's funny, but. Uh, yeah, the, the, watching Edge's A&E biography brought back all these memories last night. And uh, it, I guess he just recently announced that, like, uh, you know, next year will be his, you know, final year. He yeah. wants to have his last match in Toronto in uh, 2023. So It's crazy, it's crazy yeah. to think about that he's going to be gone again. You know, like, he just, yeah. it feels like he just came back. But again, it's like... It's already been two years, two and a half years, really, since he came and, back and at the Rumble. This time, but this time he's, he's retiring on his own terms. Well, right, right. I mean, it's it's like which is meaningful, you know. Yeah, he's able to do it on his own. He's not because he's injured, you know. He was gone for nine years, right? It was 2011 when he went out, came back yeah. in 2020. But again, yeah. it's like you know. Also, too, it's like, and it's that old that age old question you know that that always gets asked about some of these guys like even christian sting um goldberg like how yeah. long do you continue to wrestle you know because yeah. i th- i still think he, sting you know i haven't seen christian wrestle um since he won the impact championship at, at aew but like how long do you continue to like how long can your body physically do it like i wonder is like edge going through those physical things now that he's older you know like is he getting injured quicker like that's a question for you. Like, when is enough enough kind of thing? You know, even with Ric Flair. Ric Flair had that last match, and now he's yeah. saying, oh, I wish it wasn't my last match. And it was like, bro, like, never would stop anybody from doing what they want to do. But at the same time, like, what is, how does that work for, for somebody, you know? Sometimes you got to protect people from themselves. But right, right. That's what I was getting at, yeah. It just, uh, it might not be how quicker is Edge getting injured, but like, how long is it taken to recover? That's what I meant. Yeah, like how his recovery time is bouncing back faster, or you know, taking longer rather to bounce back. 
that's why I'm I'm super picky now anymore. Like, you know, I could be wrestling every weekend, but like I want to do, I want to have meaningful bumps. I right. want to do, you know, you know, if I'm going to work for somebody, it's going to mean something, you know, just, right. uh, just the, the fact of knowing that, you know, this days of driving 300 miles to wrestle. And then, you know, I, I had this friend a couple of weeks ago and this, you know, it's a 13 match card and you're 11th and not only did you drive a couple hundred miles to get there, you got to wait to get paid and you get, you know, wait to wrestle and then drive a couple hundred miles back to where, you know, you know, Hey, can you do me a solid, put me on an intermission and that way I can fucking powder and get a good head start home so I can get up before, get home before the sun comes up. Right. You know? Right. But, uh, yeah, it just is, it's getting up that age where, you know, point in my career, my life where it's like, I'll still do stuff, but it's got to mean something, you know, you know, I, I, I'm not 20 where I'm, you know, have bags, you know, we'll, we'll travel, you know? So, uh, yeah, I did watch an edge, you know, documentary, you know, made a lot of points too, where I was like, man, you know, he's been through a lot, you know, and, uh, it's just a matter of, you know, you know, seeing him, it's cool seeing him as a family man. It's cool seeing him and Beth yeah. be great parents. And, uh, just, uh, it's cool that he's going to be able to go out on his own terms. Agreed. Agreed. I think that's, that's absolutely the way to do it. Um, and again, like, I don't want to, you know, I've never been in the industry, so I'm not somebody who's going to be like, oh, this guy should stop wrestling, blah, 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 because Sting seems to be the exception to the rule. Like, that dude is still taking huge fucking bumps at 62, 63. And they told him he would never wrestle again after that Seth Rollins match. They were like, oh, you almost died. Like, you can't do this again. Um, yeah. But, you know, again, at some point, like you said, you got to just save, save, someone should save you from yourself, you know, if you're in that yeah. position. But, um, no, I'm happy for him. I'm happy he was able to have his second act and have his swan song soon. And I'm sure he's going to be ratcheting down. It was the same reason when he, you know, he won the Rumble, which I thought was the right thing in 2021. But I didn't think it was the right thing for him to go over on, on Roman or Daniel Bryan. You know, I was just like, that's not the, that's not the, that's not the story. He's elevating this other character. Um, but I, there was never any other answer for me besides that. But, um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, what else? There was something else I was going to ask you about. Oh, that's right. We were going to talk about a documentary because we talk about wrestling a lot here, but me yes. and I will love talking about movies. We love talking about documentaries. We love talking about music. We've been talking about baseball too, which I really like. Yeah, we should probably we should probably hit a Phillies game at some point uh, coming up soon, yeah. and just uh, you know put some extra content out there on our Patreon, patreoncom slash of the meaning right now. Sign up today. Yeah. Lots of great, uh, great tiers to be a part of, uh, and we could do you know meaning Adam go to the ballpark. But I finally got a chance to sit down and watch the Woodstock 1999 documentary. It's called Trainwreck. Oh, wow. It's on uh, yeah. Netflix right now. It's a three parter. It's fucking incredible. Also, fun note. The very beginning, it's a very familiar face that shows up there. Uh, yeah. Everyone should know and love the Miz from uh, WWE. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was really crazy, though, man. Really crazy. Um, I guess I didn't realize the scope and the depth of how insane that had become. Like, I kind of knew, but I didn't realize it was that crazy. And, yeah, uh, yeah what did you think? You've seen the other documentary, though, right? saw the other documentary uh there's like a, a long form one parter or well movie wasn't a tv uh, wasn't a three-part tv show but yeah it's just the lack of accountability by the uh promoters right which stood me where you know, there's a lot of you know hot potato a lot of people playing hot potato with you know taking you know accountability for everything that happened and uh you know, I know people who went to that and, you know, uh, they're like, yeah, man, I got to the point where I was like, you know, I don't want to stay to the end. Let's get the fuck out of here. You know? Yeah. And they, they got the fuck, you know, they got the fuck out of there and eventually end up hearing about everything else on the news, but yeah, it's crazy. And then like, you know, people go, you know, people won't put blame on Fred Durst, this, that, and the other thing, but it's just, it was just, uh, recipe for disaster where it became like this Lord of the flies type fucking atmosphere, you know? Right. You know, right. Lord, Lord of the flies where a bunch of kids get stuck on a, a deserted Island and 
you know, it's like, like the ultimate kangaroo court you well, know, for survival. Well, I mean, it's like, if you look at the, the way they set this up, it was at a, a like a, a field, like a, like an abandoned airstrip or an air landing air, strip. Air, air base. Or an air base. Like yeah. And it's like, so you mean to tell me you're going to bring a quarter of a million people? Like just extrapolate that for a second. Yeah. That is bigger than like almost any concert in the world up to that point, I think. I think maybe yeah. the only people that may may have been in the same place at one time more was maybe Live Aid. But you're setting this up to be like, you know, we're go, we're going to do like peace and love and all that shit and you know, you're in an air hangar, an abandoned air hangar with a quarter of a million people and you're charging with people hot, with a hot ass tarmac. Right. And you got like not for anything, but like you have the the, the some of the hardest acts in the world. Yeah. Corn Limpus get rage against the machine. Um, you know, a lot of these groups that are like pretty heavy and yeah. they're going to do what they're going to do. And I think it's, I think it is, I think it's unfair to blame Fred Durst or, or Limp Bizkit or anybody else for what happened. You know, they're going to do what they're going to do. Like why, you know, if you bring, you book Limp Bizkit on a show, why would you imagine that it was, it was going to be a, like a, like a tour affair? You know what I mean? Like, why would you imagine that it's going to be a calm event? Um, but yeah, it was definitely it was like a, like a lack of security that cut costs on everything. The promoters are all pointing fingers at everybody else, and it's super unorganized. And it was just like, "Fuck, man, this is this is really bad." And it got bad fast. And they're charging and people twelve dollars a twelve dollars a bottle of water. Fucking brutal. I mean, I just watched a uh, <clears throat> a mini documentary on uh, the uh, Rolling Stones concert at Altamont Altamont Speedway. Oh God, with the Hell's Angels. Yeah, and how that, you know, they're trying to make it like the West Coast fucking Woodstock or whatever, and, uh, you know, they they changed locations three times with the week leading up to it, and it just, that show and lack of facilities, like, they were leaving the, the original place because logistics or whatever, but they left everything behind, like, medical tents. Yeah. You know, the, the, the the food, the water, all this stuff, just to have this concert. And then it's like, doesn't anybody pay attention to history anymore? Right. The, you know, the, the, you know, I guess the Woodstock in 93, 94 went off so well. I've from all accounts, I guess that when they went to do Woodstock 99, they didn't take a, a lot of things into fucking consideration. And it's heat. It's fucking, you know, lack of facilities, lack, lack of everything, and you're you know, overcharging people to the point where eventually people are just going to be fucking fed up with it. Right. Yeah. So, and, uh, and, and then, you know, you know, they, they you know, I, I haven't seen your version of the documentary, but the documentary I saw was like, they had the guys talking to Fred, they say, hey man, calm it down, and he's, yeah, he didn't pay attention, but it's just like, kind of like how you ask a pro wrestler to, uh, not do something and right he's going to do the exact opposite thing that you asked him not to do well right i'm looking so i'm looking at 94 and 94 is very much like you know the chili peppers played 94 but like bob dylan is there peter gabriel primus like it's a very and even like cypress hill is probably like actually maybe metallica is probably the hardest act on this on this bill but and like the, the the legendary legendary nine inch nail nails mud show where they all fucking rolled around in mud before they went on stage. Yes. Yeah. That was a fucking legendary performance. But what fucks me up is when I watch the beginning of the documentary and they're like, you know, 94, they sold a hundred. I'm looking at the numbers right here. They sold a hundred and what was it? Fuck. I just lost it. 164,000 tickets, but 350,000 people were at this event. And the whole thing was like, Oh, well we didn't want a repeat of Woodstock 94 because they were like, Oh, we didn't make any money. So wait a second, this right. is supposed to be a peace, love, and, you know, hippie festival, and you're you're trying to make money on this? Like, it was just fucked from the start, man. Like, nothing was going to save that shit. Peace, love, and cha-ching. That's pretty much, yeah. that's pretty much what it is, man. I, uh, I was very frustrated watching the whole thing. I remember, I think I've told the story on the air here before, but um, I was supposed to, I was planning on going with my friends. We were going to go to Woodstock. I was 14 at the time. Yeah. And uh, me and a bunch of my buddies, we were getting ready to go and, you know, oh, we're going to have a blast. It's going to be awesome. And at the last minute, our friend's mom wouldn't let 
his older brother drive us up there. And they were like, no, you guys can't go. So they ended up letting us get the pay-per-view at the, somebody's house, which was insane. We definitely shouldn't have been watching. Um, and uh, yeah, we were just like, well, this is, uh, we're glad we didn't go to this because I don't think I would have had a good time. Yeah, but yeah. Just a whole bunch of fucking BO and fucking dirty people. Yeah, 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 no thanks. And apparently they were going to try to do Woodstock 50. Yeah. They were going to do, what is it, Woodstock 50 in 2019, and I guess, uh, no I guess, thanks. yeah, no way. And then I guess when, you know, the pandemic hit, after that they had rescheduled it a couple of times, and they were like, no, nah, we're not going to do this. And uh, they had a pretty big lineup for it, too. Like, a lot of big names on it. Jay-Z was going to headline. Um they had Jesus Christ. Look at this list. The I mean, Killers, the my, is, my, my, Santana was going to play. I think Santana would have been the only artist to play at all four Woodstocks. Right. But now, if they were smart in '99, they would probably had like Limp Biscuit on early in the day, and then maybe close the show with Alanis Morissette or something like that, just right. to bring them down. Kind of like when you you know you book a uh, a show, you got your peaks and valleys and. And you come out with, you know, Limp Bizkit singing a fucking break stuff. It's like after a day of fucking drinking and being in the heat and on just being cranky. On day two, nonetheless. On day two. Yeah. When you're yeah. already, people are already pissed off. They're already in a position where they don't feel good. They, they're getting charged out the ass for water. They're not allowed to bring anything in as it is. The facilities did, did are all ver- fucked up. Did your version in, uh, interview the people from MTV and stuff like that, where I think MTV just wrapped up and said, we're getting the fuck out of here. Yeah, so they had Ananda Lewis that was on. She was one of the uh, VJs that was there. But they didn't, like Kurt Loder, they didn't have any of those folks that were, that were uh, anyone else. She was the only one from MTV that was there. Fred wasn't in the documentary, but Jonathan Davis was. Gotcha. So, what was the name of the other documentary? Because I'd be, I'd be interested in, in watching that. I gotta look it up. Um... I forgot who put it out. I don't know if I don't think. I guess this is like the Firefest documentary where you know yeah. uh, there's a Hulu version and a, another version. So there's there's another Woodstock documentary that came out that maybe within yep. the last year, year and a half. Yeah, it's called Woodstock '99: Peace, Love, and Rage, and it was on HBO Max. So I got I got to take care of that. And then Luminary did a podcast called Break Stuff: The Story of Woodstock '99. And uh, let me take a look at this documentary. Who was in this? Um, who'd they interview? They interviewed Black Thought for this. No shit, I didn't know the roots were there. Dexter Holland. Um, Dave Holmes. Yeah, he was one of the guys that was there for uh, from MTV. Um, yeah. yeah, I'd probably want to check this out for sure because I, I love all this kind of stuff. But yeah, if you get a chance, go check out Trainwreck and then go check out this other one on HBO Max. Um, Lucha is in the chat box here saying those promoters were assholes and then blamed the talent for inciting a riot, throwing out right. people's food, then charging money for food while they were camping. Honestly, you're a hundred percent right. You're a hundred percent right. Cause the, the fucking, the, the, the people who ran the event, they cheaped out on the security. Like it's crazy. Yeah. The story they tell about the security, it's like some kid and he's like, Oh, I have an extra shirt. I'll sell it to you for 400 bucks. So you can go, you know, they're like, Oh, if I had the shirt, can I go backstage? And yeah, here you go. Give me 400 bucks. And he did. And then it's like, what the fuck's the point? How are you going to control all those people? I, and shit started breaking down, and they, 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 those folks fucking just turned their shirts inside out. It completely took them off. Yeah. The security guys are like, you know, fuck this. Can, you, out. can you blame them? I, was, no. I don't want to be in the middle of that fucking shit. No. Fuck that, dude. Fuck that. F that ass. <laughs> F that ass in the A. Um, we are going to save the Ask Meanie questions for our next episode, which will air next yeah. week at the same time. Oh, shout out to uh, Andrew Bailey. He said he worked at that Air Force Base. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Griffiths, Griffiths Air Force Base in Rome, New York. Yeah. That's crazy, man. I, uh, I don't, I, again, I, I, would, I can't imagine of being been on an Air Force Base and and the, the 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 heat too was crazy. It was like a hundred and some odd degrees in the like the beginning of the day, and um, people were people were hiding underneath the uh, trailers. Yeah, that they they would keep merch and stuff and like that in there, and just like just you know the, the heat coming off the tarmac in in the middle of was it July? Fuck yeah. that. Yeah, it was. Uh, let me see. It was July twenty second to the twenty fifth, which is the hottest fucking time of the year. 
But like you're trying to create, you're trying to recreate this atmosphere with this festival. And it's like, that's not, I don't know. It's and they're like, talking about the mud people and they're, they're like, yeah, there's probably poop in that. Yeah. There was a woman who in the documentary talking about she had trench mouth. She had like blisters and shit in her mouth. Felt like she had a sore throat. She couldn't talk. And here it was because of the contaminated water. Like they had the health department come out and check the water. And each of the vials that they put in the incubator, he said the smell was so bad that it, like not, he said he never smelled anything like that before. And here there's all this orange shit growing on the water. And it's like, no one should be drinking this. Like it, they should shut this shit down. Yeah. But like there's like these puddles of mud people were diving into, not realizing that the porta potties had been streaming into these mud puddles. Yeah. So they're rolling around like they're literally rolling around like pigs and shit. Oh God. It's so nasty, man. So nasty. Um, But listen, we thank you all for joining us again today for episode 127. We appreciate you. Blue Meanie, where can everybody find you on social media? If you want to follow the Blue Meanie on all forms of social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, which who knows, uh, at Blue Meanie BWO uh, on all forms of social media. I'll, uh, I'll be on there bullshitting about something. Uh, hopefully uh, getting this Ticketmaster situation straightened out. That's right. Uh, but if you want to support the Blue Meanie, go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Blue Meanie. Uh, got some great shirts up there. Uh, my favorite new one is the uh, Van Halen inspired Blue Meanie shirt where the 1984 album cover said the little baby, it's little baby Blue Meanie with a pitcher of beer at McCusker's. So go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Blue Meanie. If you would love to support Minded Amini, go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Minded Amini. Uh, also, if you want uh, you know some extra wrestling uh, attire to wear out to your events, go to Collar and Elbow Brand uh, dot com. Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. Do yourself a favor. Use the coupon code Meanie. Save yourself ten percent. Shout out to Rod Hicks, doing great stuff over there with Collar and Elbow Brand dot com. Now you got these great looking t shirts, but you want to look good, feel good, smell good. If you're a bearded fellow like myself, go to madcatbeardcare.com. Get yourself some of the blue spruce. We got a, we got beard bombs and beard oils. But you know, thanks to my good buddy Josh Thornton over there at blue. Uh, oh, sorry, over there at madcatbeardcare.com. He's got the blue spruce too. But uh, all the money, I'm not drawing a dime from now. All the money goes to taking care of feral cats. So he rounds up these cats, takes them out to the vet get some uh, taken care of and uh, he's doing a really great job with that. Uh, also shout out to my boy, Jim Nelson over at glaciers of ice.com. Uh, Jim was courteous, kind enough and courteous enough to uh, make a three of three handmade custom BWO air Jordan one sneakers for Stevie Nova and myself. He does amazing work. Uh, each pair of shoes takes about 50 hours per pair uh of you know per pair uh of shoes uh follow him on social media at goi kicks on all forms of social media that's goi kicks right now he's making a really cool pair of steely dan air jordan ones for uh mvp crazy love it i love that mvp loves steely dan so that's pretty cool uh and besides he's a great guy anyway um if you uh, would like to have a, a customized, sorry, I can't speak today. If you would like a customized video, uh, holidays, birthdays, well wishes, uh, how you do's, go to cameo.com slash blue meanie BWO. I just did a few this week. A lot of fun, uh, a lot of birthdays, a lot of uh, you know uplifting stuff. Try to, you know, make people feel good. So go to cameo.com. Slash Blue Meanie BWO. But more importantly, Mr. Bernard, where can we find you? Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate the uh, the assist there. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at This Is Goober. Yes, it's my handle. No, it's not changing. It's a brand, pal. You can also go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Foundation Radio. Pick up a shirt to help me support my other program, Foundation Radio, which you can find on all your favorite podcast platforms. 
uh, talk about a lot of stuff we don't talk about here on this program. So go ahead and check it out at foundationradio.net. Don't forget to go to patreon.com slash mind of the meanie. Sign up today. Help us out. Keep the lights on here in Casa de Meanie and the Barnard home for wayward and troubled youth. Mr. Meanie, thank you again, as always, for your time. I appreciate you, thank sir. You. And uh, for the Blue Meanie, I am Adam Bernard. Join us again each and every week as we take a trip through the mine of the Meanie. Peace. This episode of Mind of the Meanie was recorded and produced by Adam Barnard and was engineered by Carl Pinnell. Additional production and narration provided by Sam Kreps. Our executive producers are Josh Chernoff, Adam Barnard, and the Blue Meanie. Our opening theme is performed by the Swamp Candles. Our closing theme is performed by Chikara. The show contains original music produced by Enrichment. Get additional bonus content by becoming our patron on Patreon at patreon.com slash mindofthemeanie. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mindofthemeanie. This has been a Butts Carlton Media Production in conjunction with the MLW Radio Network. Butts Carlton Proprietor. That was Blue Meanie's brain out. The world of MLW Radio never stops. 